I'll close my eyes just really quickly. Imagine myself walking into the grocery store and just getting hit in the face with a bag of almonds. And it explodes and the almonds go up in the ground. It falls in the ground. It's making all this noise. It hurts. It stings, right? It would really hurt if you got hit in the face with a bag of almonds. Episode 51, January 2015. In this episode, Chris Hunt talks about how he learns, what to avoid, and how diet and exercise affect his learning. We also discuss how newbies should start coding with pair programming, memorization techniques, and how they possibly affect the mind. How do you learn? So the, the easiest way for me to learn is to go to Google and just start asking questions. And so um, usually the first result that I always see when I do that is some forum out there. Um, and this is a, this could be nowadays, like the most popular forum is discourse, which you may have heard of. Um, but, but back in the day, um, back in, I guess the nineties, when I first started doing this, it's always been some PHP based forum with like hundreds or thousands of people who are obsessed about this thing. So if I wanted to learn, this is an example I used earlier when I was talking about something I wanted to learn. But if I wanted to, to learn something like BMX biking, I would just go into Google and I would type, BMX biking forum. And then I find a forum. And then once I get to this forum, there's all these people obsessed with BMX biking. They're obsessed with like the equipment. They're obsessed with the tricks. They've got all these tutorials and guides for getting started and all that kind of stuff. So usually that's my first stop is just find a forum and see what people are talking about and like the kind of resources they use and sites they go to and the kind of stuff they buy. And I'll learn as much as I can from there. But usually my first step is just to learn just enough. And then I'll go outside and start riding a bike and, and, and come back to the forum and then ask questions and, and see how that goes. Um, almost every single thing that I've tried to learn or hobby I've tried to learn has some kind of equipment you need to buy. <laughs> so photography is something I've uh, learned and you need to buy cameras. You know, um, If you want to learn how to do programming, if this is something you're trying to do, usually you need to buy a computer. If you want to host a podcast, which is something I, I started doing, you need to buy all this audio equipment. Um, so I found when, when I'm trying to learn, what's also helped me is just to learn about all the equipment that I need and then buy the best, most desirable, most amazing piece of equipment I can possibly get. It's going to cost me a bajillion dollars and I'll have to sell a bunch of stuff to get it. But it's, it's nice because I know then my equipment is not limiting me in my learning ability. And when I've done with this hobby, I could sell it for the exact same price that I bought it for. So it's it's like a really easy way to get in and know that that now I can do this thing. Um, I could go out and take pictures if I want and sell off my camera when I've done taking pictures. I don't lose any money, you know, and I had a lot of fun. I'm using, I don't need to be thinking about, oh, is it my camera that's not letting me do this? Is this, you know, I just, I just know that I'm using the best thing. I'm having the most fun I can have. And when I get done, the resale value is going to be there. So um, I usually hop to a forum, learn as much as I can on the forum, and then buy the best, most fanciest, amazing thing. And usually I'm selling off all my old hobbies so I can do that. Um, and then I go have fun. And then when I'm done, I'll sell it again. So usually how that goes. Any mistakes uh, to avoid uh, while learning? Um, learning from the wrong people is usually a, a pretty big mistake. So a good example of this is uh, if you really like the idea of bodybuilding, you know, it's just like, for some reason, you are really into it. Then a good place to ask questions would be a bodybuilder. Like, somebody who's actually lifting weights. Like, they have an... If you look at their physique and you're like, oh my God, 
I want to look like that person. That is probably a good place to go for information. But if you're going to like a 24-hour fitness and no knock on 24-hour fitness if you work there, but you go to a 24-hour fitness and there's somebody there who's like, yeah, they work at a gym, but I got a feeling they don't really know what's going on. Like they do not look like they're in shape. I do not want to look like that person. But they're they're there to give you advice. They have experience. They know what's going on, right? That's not a person I would talk to about bodybuilding because they probably got their information from books, um, from these forums I'm talking about. Like they don't have the kind of experience that a real bodybuilder would have. And they they just like, yeah. So I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is the biggest mistake to avoid while learning is just asking questions to the wrong people. Look at somebody who's doing the thing you want to do, who's absolutely amazing at this thing. They're got all this experience. And I, I think that learning is just gonna be so much faster because they're gonna have all the answers you're looking for. And they're just gonna be able to remove all of these variables and you won't get any of this weird information that you might get from people who haven't actually done it. In your opinion, does self-confidence play a big role for effective learning? Uh, yes. <laughs> how, how can you address that if people totally lack self-confidence? Um, I think... Self-confidence is something that you earn, that you earn or that you get from doing things. So, I probably the very first thing you learn is going to be difficult. But after you've learned that thing, so if I wanted to take pictures and then six months later now somebody is paying me to shoot their wedding, that that feeling is 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 amazing. Like you went from nothing to being able to shoot. And then the next thing you want to learn, you're going to remember that and you're going to go, well, wait, wait a minute. I taught myself how to how to take pictures. People are paying me thousands of dollars to shoot their wedding. Like I can do this. You know, I can do this. And so then each thing becomes a little bit easier to learn. So it's probably just that first, that very first thing of of teaching yourself how to do something and getting that experience. And for that, I you know, I'm not I'm not sure that I'm not sure the best way. I mean, just surrounding yourself with people. I mean, growing up, luckily I had parents who were like really into me doing stuff. So if I was like, I want to play soccer, then they're like, oh, let's do soccer. Buy your shin guards, you know, buy your shoes. So having, I think having that support system is like, was super important for me, made me very, very confident. And I know now that if there's something I'm really interested in learning, that if I take the time to do it, I probably can learn how to do it. I think in programming because there's so much to learn and the people often say that the on-ramp is especially steep. Um, it is uh, more tricky than in other fields to gain that first self-confidence which you can build upon. I think part of the problem with um, programming and like confidence with programming is there's no, there's no moment where you're like, ah, I've learned it. Like there's, there's like an infinite amount of things you can learn and there's not, and you're always learning. There's never, there's never a point where you feel like you're done or like, you know, as much as anybody else around you. So yeah, programming. And I guess it could be like that for anything. I mean, you know, photography or bodybuilding or anything like that. Those, those are probably very similar, but yeah, it's just, there's so many different directions you can go. I can learn JavaScript. I can learn Ruby. I can learn Java. I can learn Scala. I can work on web apps. I can work on a Mac OS app. I can, there's just like so many different paths you can take. And then, and they're all so different that, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's just setting, setting some kind of goal and then reaching that goal is probably, probably the easiest thing to do. Like I want to put an app on an app store and then, okay, that was great. That was, that was my thing. Um, but if you don't have like that, that goal that you're going for, then there's not, there's never a finish line. You never get that feeling of success. 
you know. How does your diet and exercise affect your learning? Uh, for me, it has a big, it has a, a massive impact on my learning um, because I'm not able to focus if I don't exercise on anything, really. I have a lot of energy, and if I don't use it, then I like, can't focus. I think, I think medically, there's a thing, too. There's some magic that happens in your brain where you make connections and focus. And, you know, sometimes people say this when you're working on a problem, you go outside and, and walk around the block and then, oh, now I have all these ideas. And a lot of that is just getting away from the problem. But another part of that is the fact that you're walking and your blood's flowing and you're just like, you know, you're seeing things, you're doing things. And a lot of fitness, a lot of what fitness is, is going out and doing things. You're riding a bike, you're running, you're trying new activities, you're like stressing your body in weird ways. And the cool thing about exercise is if you're doing it right and you're working really hard, you're so focused on not dying that you don't even think about computers. You don't think about these other things that you're trying to learn. And so it helps you. It's the same benefit as, as going out and walking around the block. Um, yeah, so it, it's massive. It's massive for me. It just makes me, if I don't get a workout in the morning, I feel like crap the rest of the day and I, I don't get anything done. What were the biggest obstacles when you started learning to code? I think for me, it was not, when I first started, not having a good way to work with other people. So my very first job, I was very much working by myself, which is horrible. Um, so it would have helped me a lot to be able to pair program with people. I didn't even know what pair programming was when I first started. Um, and I was working on projects all by myself. I had other people in the office, but we were all working on different things. And then we would like combine our things together, you know, one big bang at the end. So <clears throat> it would have helped me a lot to be able to work with other people more closely, especially pair programming. And in general, how would you recommend newbies should learn to code these days? Pair programming. Again, like that's, uh, that's the no number one way to learn because you are literally programming, right? You're doing the thing and you have somebody sitting next to you that is also doing the thing and they'll have advice. So even if they're inexperienced... Even if they just start out? Yeah, even if they... Like, it's, it's crazy. Um, I've started... Uh, I may have mentioned this earlier, but I started pairing with a whole bunch of random people on the internet as an experiment just for fun. And I've, I've worked with people who have almost no experience at all, but it's still beneficial because of the questions they have. They're like, why are we doing this? This doesn't even make sense. And then I have to think like, why, why are, why are we doing this? You know? And then, and then sometimes we don't, we don't do it. Like maybe we're writing a test and they're like, do we really need this test? What is this even testing? And you're like, yeah, I guess, I guess in this scenario, we don't really need to write a test. We're not really testing anything. But yeah, people with, with no experience tend tend to have uh, an amazing amount of questions. And people with a ton of experience just have a ton of experience. So obviously, you're going to learn things there. You have extensive experience with memorization techniques. And um, I was wondering, besides remembering faces and names more easily, um, how else does it affect your mind? Do you have an easier time remembering facts when reading a book? Do you need less time to remember new stuff you learn? Is your mind more at ease? Um, what's going on? <laughs> so that's an awesome question. Um, memorizing stuff is a pretty sweet party trick, but yeah, it, it can actually be used in real life. So I'm going to, uh, let's try to test your memory real quick. Um, I'm going, yeah, we're going to test your memory. Here we go. Uh, I'm going to give you, I'm just going to go around my desk that I'm standing at right now. So on my left here, um, I have a, an old film camera. It's uh, silver and black. It's a Leica M4. It's pretty sweet. If you want to get into film photography, this is definitely a nice way to do it. It's 35 millimeter. And sitting next to that, actually leaning on it, is my wedding ring. 
And I don't have it on right now because I do CrossFit and my finger is like really nasty messed up. It's like bloody and stuff down there, which is probably not good, but I did like pull-ups and stuff. So it ripped my finger open. So I don't have my wedding ring on, but it's leading on the camera. Right behind that though is my iPod or, or my iPhone. And it's an iPhone 6. It's not the iPhone 6 Plus, one of the smaller ones. And it's on a iPhone stand. It's a black stand. And then just behind that is the recorder that we're using to record my end of the podcast so we can st stitch it together later and have some good sounding audio. And this is uh, one of those Zoom recorders. It's an H5 handy recorder and it has two cables coming out the bottom. Okay? So now, uh, so that's it. That's the end of the story. So try to tell the story back to me as good as you can. All right. To your left is a Leica camera, black and white, and okay. M4. And um, it's a good old camera, I guess. Uh, <laughs> to the right of uh, this camera is your wed wedding ring. Mm -hmm. uh, behind that is uh, an iPhone 6 and like a standing case for uh, charging it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's uh, an iPhone 6. And behind that is a Zoom recording um, equipment with two cables that come out of it. Awesome. So that was pretty solid, man. So you, you, you basically memorized that whole story. And that was a lot of things. So we, we got Leica, which is the brand of this camera. We got that there was, <coughs> excuse me, a camera. So that's two things. You got the colors of the camera. You got the model. You said it was an M4. You saw my wedding ring. You remember that it was leaning on the camera. And then behind that, you remembered I had an iPhone. You knew what version of iPhone it was, iPhone 6. You knew that it was on a stand. And then behind that, you knew I had a recorder. You knew the brand of the recorder. It was a Zoom. And then you also remember that there were two cables coming out of it. So that was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten things that you remembered. And the cool thing is that psychologists say that you're really only able to memorize two or three things, and then you forget them. If I were to pull out a list of random words, and I just start reading off the list of random words, and then we were to wait like 30 seconds or so, most people are only going to remember like two or three of those words in the correct order. They're going to forget, they're going to totally forget the rest of them. I would not be as good with words. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's, it's horrible. But, if, but because um, I explained it in a story, and it was a little bit visual, you were probably in your mind visualizing these things, whether you were trying to do that or not. And then you can remember. Yeah, totally. And then so you, you remember it all. So all memorization techniques, um, memorizing, you know, random numbers and names and all sort of crazy stuff is all done exactly the same way. You're just visualizing that information in whatever way works for you. And there's a, a couple of really popular methods of, of turning those things into stories. And then because it's a story, you'll never forget it. And I bet you probably you know, 12 hours from now, I could probably ask you what's on my desk and you can still tell me. And you're not trying to memorize those things. It's not something you're trying to do. Our brains just automatically do that. And that's the really cool thing. So kind of to get back to the question then, like how does this act actually affect me on a day-to-day -day basis? It doesn't, it doesn't automatically affect me, but every time I want to memorize something, I just visualize it and then I don't forget it. So on, so my to-dos and my groceries are probably the biggest use case for this. Every time I remember that I need a grocery item, I just imagine myself in the grocery store and I make some crazy story of that thing in the grocery store and then I won't forget it when I go in there. So if I need to buy almonds, I'll close my eyes just really quickly, 
imagine myself walking into the grocery store and just getting hit in the face with a bag of almonds. And it explodes and the almonds go up in the ground. It falls in the ground. It's making all this noise. It hurts. It stings, right? It would really hurt if you got hit in the face with a bag of almonds. And then when I go into the grocery store, I immediately remember getting hit in the face with a bag of almonds. And I remember I need to go buy almonds. Yeah. So it's, it, it's, it's all really cool stuff. 